0: Theme Time Radio Hour is brought to you by Cadillac.
1: It's nighttime in the big city. Freshly fallen snow turns gray in the gutter. The engineer won't stop coughing. This is Theme Time Radio Hour with your host, Bob Dylan.
2: Well, you heard it. There's the black and white warbler, one of the most distinctive North American warblers. You can recognize his black and white striped plummet from 50 yards away. And its distinctive song tells you that it's time once again for more bird songs on Theme Time Radio Hour. We've gotten a lot of response to last week's show. A lot of people have written in with their favorite bird songs. People are asking me questions about birds. I'm not exactly an expert, but I'll try to help as much as I can. Last week we started the show off with that early moon and bird, the booster. It did pretty good for us, so I thought we'd do it again. Because after all, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And a rooster in the hand, well, never mind. Here's How muff Move, 1961, recording The Red Rooster. Jones on the piano, Hubert Sumlin on the guitar, Willie Dixon on bass, and Sam Lay on drums, singing about the Red Rooster. Like the Rooster said one morning, that's one piece Colonel Sanders isn't going to get. You know, we play the Rolling Stones a lot. We probably play them more than a lot of other bands from that period. Well, one of the reasons is, in 1965, when the Stones were on top of the world, they were asked to be on the TV show Shindig. It was a very popular show. They said they were not going to do it unless Alan Wolf could be their guest. So in 1965, prime time network television, there was the big man, Alan Wolf, singing "How Many More Years?" Unlike a lot of those other British invasion groups, but I got a special spot for the Stones for standing up for the music that inspired them. Another guy we play a lot of is Jimi Hendrix. This song's from his ex's boldest Love record. Do you realize that he only made three records while he was alive? I mean, four counting bands of Gypsies, which was a live record, but three records of studio material. There's over a hundred records out by him now. You have to ask yourself, are they all the same record? I've listened to all a hundred of them, and there's some good moments in them. Maybe nothing as good as this. Here's the Jimmy Hendrix experience in Little Rings. Just in case you're curious, the smallest wingspan of any bird belongs to the bee hummingbird, only ten and a half inches across. The average duck's wingspan is twenty-seven inches. But don't be concerned, if you own a duck and his wingspan is slightly different. This is the same time anyhow. We got no pecking order. We're not gonna kill the goose that lays the golden egg. We are not sitting ducks or lean ducks. We're flying high, we know no borders. We travel the world slave to no boundaries. First recorded in 1926. It's called Bye Bye Blackbeard. The song's been recorded by so many people. It was recorded by Nina Simone, Judy Garland, Judy's daughter Eliza, the x Did a Version, the Heavenly Brothers even did it. Now I'm going to tell you about a group called Charlie and His Orchestra. In the 30s and 40s, a lot of people in Germany loved jazz. But the Nazi leaders hated it. More than hated it, to them it was a threat. It was an American art form, and its black roots made it what they considered racially degenerate. It was an offense to the Aryan purity. Hitler's government tried in many ways to applaud, but there's more to the story. Joseph Goebbels, who was Hitler's propaganda minister, was making video shows that would be broadcast in the United States and Britain as propaganda. He took a bunch of the local swing musicians and hired a singer named Carl Schwedler made his name sound more American by changing it to Charlie Schwedler. So this group would take swing songs and sing the first verse straight and then sometime during the song they would change the lyrics into anti-American lyrics often criticizing Roosevelt and Churchill and offering racial slurs. This band made over 90 recordings and some of them are pretty harsh. I want to go and play for you now it's one of the teamer ones. Here they take the song Bye Bye Blackbird and they sing it from the alleged perspective of Winston Churchill. Here's Charlie in his orchestra, Bye
3: Blackbird. Here's Mr. Churchill's latest song dedicated to Great Britain.
0: I never cared for you before Hong Kong, Burma, Singapore Bye, bye, empire India, I may lose Then I only have the London Zoo Bye, bye, Empire There's no one here who loves and understands me Nothing but heaps of bad news they all hand me The Yankees are still out of sight I can't make out wrong from right empire by bye.
2: That was My Man Blackbird by Charlie and his Orchestra. I kinda need something to cleanse my palate after that. And here's a beautiful song to do it. It was written by Hoagie Carmichael and Johnny Mercer. And in this case, it's being sung by Anita O'Day. The song is called Skylark, and Hoagie wrote it originally as an instrumental. It was based on a solo by one of Hoagie's friends, the trumpet legend, Bix Baderbeck. As a matter of fact, when Hoagie first wrote it, he called it Bix Licks. A few years later, he passed the melody out to Johnny Mercer Some more time passed, and Johnny wrote lyrics to it. He called up Hoagie and sang him Skylark. But by that time, Hoagie had forgotten he wrote it. Luckily, Johnny was an honest guy and shared the credit. Here's Hoagie Carmichael, Johnny Mershaw's Skylark.
4: Where my love can be Is there a man
2: He also wrote one called Mr. Billbird. Skylark was obviously an important song to Johnny Mercer. There's a biography of Johnny under that name. And in that biography, they say that Skylark was a way for Johnny to express his longing for Judy Garland, with whom he had a stormy affair. According to Friends of Mercer, the song One for My Baby and One for the Road was written after their breakup to bemoan her loss. Last week we played Bluebird by Buffalo Springfield as a result of a coin toss. Well, here's another Bluebird song. This one, Baron Little Bluebird, is by Johnny Taylor. I got this Bluebeard by Johnny Taylor on Theme Time Radio Hour. I told Richard Lewis the subject of this week's show. He put down his coffee cup and said, I got to tell you something.
4: I'll tell you, Bob,
5: my family made me feed Mr. Blue, our parakeet, for 10 years. I was parakeet boy. Sounds like a, an extra on a Tarzan film. And all Mr. Blue did was look at, like a, it was like very, a diva. Looked at himself and pecked that friggin' bell. It's all he did. It very simple life. And crapped his, his brains out. And I was parakeet boy, so I had to go in there and clean the. My mother said, You can leave the white stool, but take the, the licorice looking stool out. She must have been doing mushrooms, but, you know, oh, oh, I say, the licorice stool. Parakeets brings back very bad memories. Here's the
2: light crust blue boys. This is a Western Swing group that kept going up until the year of 2001. But in their earliest days, counted amongst their members, both Bob Wells and Bilton Brown, two of the biggest names in Western Swing. They originally were sponsored by the Aladdin Lamp Company and called themselves the Aladdin Laddies. But two years after that, the makers of Light Crust Flour hired them and they changed their name. The guy who managed that company was named Papier Daniel and he became the Light Crust Doughboys manager. Of the air with a very familiar sounding song. Listen to the mockingbird.
3: Listen to the Mockingbird, listen to the Mockingbird, the Mockingbird is singing o'er her grave, listen to the Mockingbird, listen to the Mockingbird, still singing where the weeping willows wave.
2: Listen to the Mockingbird, the Light Cross Doughboys. Pappy O'Daniel wasn't just their manager, he was also the governor of Texas, where the Mockingbird is a state bird. He ran for governor in 1938, just as a way to sell more flour. Pretty good for a guy with no political experience. He wasn't even registered to vote. He had a theme song that had the line, Please pass the biscuits, Peppy," so no one could forget his connection with flour. He might have been inept in politics, but he was greatly loved. He was re-elected in 1940, and then he was elected to the U.S. Senate in 1941 in a special election where he defeated future President Lyndon Johnson. The Mockingbird gets its name by the way that it mimics the sounds of other birds, often loudly and in rapid succession. Its Latin name means many tongued mimic, and it is well known for its mocking sound. Let's give a listen to the mockingbird.
6: Let's give a listen to the mockingbird.
2: <laughs> While we're on the subject of mockingbirds, here's one we're going to send out to Atticus Finch and Boo Ratley. Here's Inez and Charlie Fox. and Charlie Fox, brother and sister, I believe. One of the things we like to do here at Theme Time Radio Hour is clear up little mysteries of life. This mystery is a photograph. You've seen it a million times. Every time they want to talk about rock, Billy, but they don't want to pay to use Elvis's his picture, they use this picture. That's a guy you can't quite recognize, but he's kind of synonymous with early rock and roll the way that Bob's Big Boy is synonymous with hamburgers. We're not only gonna tell you who this guy is, we're gonna tell you about who took his picture. His name is Issel Hickey. He's from Brighton, New York, where the bluebird is a state bird. That'll make a lot of sense in a second. He was performing up in Rochester, New York, and he asked Phil Everly about how to launch a career. Phil told him, I gotta have a song, and I could go anywhere without a song. Well, Isel Hickey went home and wrote a song called Bluebirds Over the Mountain. The next day, he went to Buffalo, New York. He knew a photographer there because his sister had some professional photos taken. You see, she performed as an exotic dancer under the name Chickie Evans. So he went to this photographer, whose name was Jean Laverne, who had a place called the Studio of the Stars, and he took a photograph. You might not think you've ever seen it before, but Google Ursula Hickey, and you'll recognize that picture in a heartbeat. Now, so you have a voice to go along with the picture is Ursul Hickey and Bluebirds Over the
0: Mountain. (laughs) baby to me.
2: there's of hickey and bluebirds over the mountain you know there used to be this record store downstairs in the subway station on 42nd street it was just about the best place in new york below 120th street to buy salsa and calypso records nowadays there's hardly any record stores anywhere least of all a subway stop i bought a lot of records there and i never saw anywhere else again this is one of them this is a guy named bobby panito and i know nothing about him except this record It's a song about the emotional turmoil of Woody Woodpecker, or something like that. When you listen and decide what it's about, why is Woody sad? Bobby Panheadle. sad. We've talked about song poems here before. Those ads you see in the back of magazines. Are you a songwriter? We even played a few. Well, I think Bobby Palmetto might have been the house band for one of those companies. The record's great, but the band is definitely playing a different song than the people are singing. It's a different key, different feel, and what that song has to do with woodpeckers, I just don't know. However, if woodpeckers are sad, it's probably because they get bad-wrapped in the press a lot. I want to take a moment and give a hearty salute to the hard-working woodpecker. Woodpeckers are a core species. If they weren't around, a lot of other birds wouldn't be around. they drill new nest holes every year. Their old nest holes become the homes for all sorts of species. I'm talking about birds and rodents. Without the woodpeckers, a lot of animals wouldn't have any home. And Just think about the anatomy of a woodpecker. They have little miniature shock absorbers in their heads. I mean, they'd have to. The way they keep pecking at the wood all day. And they don't just do it to build a home. They use the rhythmic pecking sequence to communicate with each other. Ornithologists refer to this as dumbing. Kind of like stomp for birds. Well, Texas has giving me the signal. we got a caller on line three. Hello, caller. What's your name and where are you calling from?
1: Hiya, Bob. My name is Jenny Depravity.
2: Depravity? What kind of name is that?
1: It, it's a French name.
2: How do you spell it?
1: Just like Depravity, but with an apostrophe.
2: So it would be Depravity.
1: I prefer the English pronunciation. Depravity. Exactly.
2: So where are you calling from?
1: I'm calling from uh, Kingfisher, Oklahoma.
2: That's the name of a bird, too. But it's not the state bird of Oklahoma. That honor goes to the scissor-tailed flycatcher.
1: You know your birds, Bob.
2: I oughta. I used to hang out with Roger (laughs) (laughs) McGuinn. What can I do for you?
1: Since you're doing the show about birds, maybe you could settle a bet for me. My boyfriend says that Charles Darwin said that man was descended from birds. I think he's crazy. What's the real story?
2: Well, Jenny, it's actually an interesting question. What people actually say is that Darwin said that man was descended from a monkey. But in either case, Darwin's writings were about survival of the fittest. You could extrapolate from his writings, his feelings about capitalism and the political structure in general. That's why people went after him. They made him look the fool, saying that man came from monkeys. There's a lot of scientific questions which are unanswered. It's a whole school of thought that birds are the closest thing on Earth to dinosaurs. And I'm not here to discuss scientific principle or theory. But it should be understood that Darwin was ridiculed, not for his religious beliefs or lack of beliefs, but because he was actually speaking against the status quo. I hope that answers your question. Well,
1: not really, Bob. But it was entertaining. What should I tell my boyfriend?
2: him that Charles Darwin said it is not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but the one most responsive to change.
1: Okie dokie, I will.
2: Well, thanks for calling.
1: Hold on a sec, before I go.
2: Yes?
1: Could you play Chicken and the Hawk by Big Joe Turner?
2: Well, because I couldn't answer your question completely, and because I love Big Joe Turner. Here's a blue shatter that Charles Darwin would have loved, because he was the most adaptive to change went from being a big band singer to records like this, where he was the king of rock and roll. On At the Atlantic label, here's Big Joe Tuna, and the tale of the
0: chicken and the hawk. Well, the curly-headed chicken fell in love with a chicken hawk. Well, the curly-headed chicken fell in love with a chicken hawk. You found a over for that hawk, sweet talk. You said, take me up, the hockey, take me up in the sky. Take me up, Take me up in the sky. I'm just a little bit of chicken and I don't know how to fly. Get up. jet. <laughs> well, the hawk got flying legs. He like ain't single jet. He's mm-hmm. a two-round chicken. The eagle.
2: Joe Turner and the chicken and the hawk. I told Tom Waits we're doing a show about birds, and he dashed off another cassette. Found it in my mailbox this morning. He's definitely a guy who gets his money's worth out of a boombox. Let's hear what Tom has to say.
6: Well, I found some uh, interesting facts about one of our fine feathered friends here, the passenger pigeon. Of course, you know they're now extinct, but at one time they were remarkably prolific. In fact, it's estimated that at one time they made up over 45% of the total bird population of America in the early 19th century. The naturalist John James Audubon reported one flock as taking three days to pass and blocking out the sun during that period so that it would darken the noonday light as if obscured by an eclipse. And when they landed, they took up an area 40 miles long by 3 miles wide. He estimated that the flock contained over 3 billion birds. And they passed over at a rate of over 300 million birds per hour. The last wild passenger pigeon was shot by a Canadian in Quebec in 1907. And the last captive passenger pigeon... Whose name was Martha, died at the age of 29 years old on September 1st, 1914, in the Cincinnati Zoo. And Audubon's wonderfully prolific birds were now extinct. What particular species of bird? It's a pigeon. Must be like a, a carrier pigeon or whatever.
7: Passenger pigeon? Passenger pigeon's been extinct since 1914?
2: A lot of do our groups, have a confusing lineage. This group has one of the most confusing. The leader of the band, Al Frazier, was in a group called the Eminens, which is the no-names, spelled backwards. They went through about 15 different names. The Ladders, the Tenderfoots, the Rebels, the Four After Fives. I'm just getting started. Finally, they took a name. The two producers gave them, who both lived on Rivington Street, on New York's Lower East Side. This group had a hit with a song called Papa Ooh Ma Ma. I was gonna play that for you, then I started thinking I want to play the third song in their trilogy. They had Papa Ooh Ma Ma, then they had Mama Ooh Ma Ma, and then they had this one, The Bird's Word. Here's the Rivvings and the Bird's the Word.
8: Oh well, now everybody's heard about the bird. The
5: bird, the bird, the bird, the bird, the bird, the bird, the bird. We, am going
2: Was the Rivingtons and the Birds of the Word. Back in 1963, there was a surf group from Minnesota. I don't know if anybody ever told them, but there's no surf in Minnesota. They took two of the Rivington songs, Papa O Mau Mau, and Birds of the Word, and kind of melted them together, and ended up with a huge hit called Surfing Bird. That sounded a little bit like this.
8: Well, everybody's heard about the bird, 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 bird the, bird, the
2: Oh wow, wow! Ashley, surfing bird. We've got the windows open in the Abernathy building. Well, look, it's a black-necked stilt. You can tell by its very long legs. You don't usually see in this part inland. Let's take one moment to look at a bird of the man-made variety. eddie floyd who was on the snacks record label this record didn't make much noise in the states but it was a big underground dance hit in england here's eddie floyd all about that big bird That was Eddie Floyd. Get out my life, why don't you, babe? Oh no, wait a second. That was Big Bird. I got confused for a second. Eddie wrote this song, which also features Booker T, while waiting in the London airport for an airplane that would take him back to the United States for his good friend Otis Redding's funeral. In 1969, Jim Henson saw Carol Spinney at a puppet show in Salt Lake City. It was a good day for Carol Spinney. He got a long-time gig as the man behind Big Bird. Big Bird is an eight-foot-tall puppet. In Germany, on the show Sessumstrasse, he's called Beeble. And in Portugal, he's Pupas Amarido, which basically means yellow bird. He's both big and yellow, and he's been part of the television landscape for close to four decades. It would be a sin to go through two hours of bird songs and not talk about Charlie Parker. To some people, he was the greatest jazz musician who ever lived. He was the father of a bebop and changed the way people listened to music. He was in his own way, as important as Louis Armstrong or Duke Ellington. He was known as Bird, and we don't often get to play him here on Deep Time Radio Hour, because we play mostly songs with lyrics. But let's just take a moment to listen to Bird Gets the Worm. Hey. Charlie Parker, Bird Gets the Worm. Here on theme time radio hour.
9: Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they?
2: We've only got time for a couple more songs. We played the Stanley Brothers many, many times. You can't go wrong if you see a Stanley Brothers record. If you at a flea market or a yard sale and you see a record with a name on it, it's going to be good. Here's a song that they recorded for the King Record League. Here's Ralph and Carter Stanley, and a song about the white dove. In the deep
7: rolling hills of Old Virginia, there's a place I love so well, where I spend many days of my childhood, in the cabin. We love to dwell me.
2: Dandy Brothers and White Dove. Caged birds accept each other. What flight is what they long for? And as Frederick Nietzsche once said, if you're not a bird, beware of coming to rest above an abyss. While we're on the subject of doves, the bird that brought the olive branch back to Noah, and as the symbol of peace, let's listen to a fella from Minneapolis who reached number one with a song from his album, Purple Rain. Here's Prince and Dove's Cry. Three people I know whose name was once punctuation. There was him, question mark, and a guy I used to call comma, when doves cry. Ever wonder if birds cry? Well I don't know if they do it because they're emotional, but they do produce tears. Birds not only secrete watery tears to keep their eyes moist and to wash away dirt and bacteria, but some birds who spend a lot of time near the ocean also have oily tears to protect their eyes against salt water.
4: Birds are not aggressive creatures, miss. They bring beauty into the world. It is mankind, rather, who insists upon making it difficult for life to exist upon this planet.
2: You know, I'm tempted to do a third show about birds. I suddenly have enough records, but I don't think I should tempt fate. Two's plenty, and I hope we've answered your questions and taught you a little bit about our feathered friends. There's one question we haven't answered, and I don't think I really can do it. So I'm going to turn it over to a man by the name of Robert Williams Service. Who tried to answer it in poetic form? Here's Robert Service's poem, Why Do Birds Sing? Let poets piece prismatic words, Give me the jewel joy of birds, What ecstasy moves them to sing? Is it the lyric gleam spring, The dewy rapture of the rose? Is it the worship born in those, Who are of nature's self apart, The adoration of the heart? Is it the mating mood in them, That makes each crystal note a gem, O mockingbird and, and nightingale, O Mavis, Locke, and Robin, hail! Tell me what perfect passion glows In your inspired arpeggios. A thrush is thrilling as I write, Its obligato of delight, And its fervor as in mine I fathom tenderness divine, And pity those of earthy ear Who cannot hear, who cannot hear. Let poets pattern pretty words, For lovely largesse, bless you, birds. Robert W. Service, finely feathered poet. It's time to fly the coop. We'll see you again next week, and I'll leave you with the words of William Blake: No bird stars too high, if he saws with
0: his own wings. Go get him. Thanks for listening to Theme Time Radio Hour with your host, Bob Dylan. Produced by Eddie Gorodetsky. Associate producer, Ben Rollins. Continuity by Eats Martin. Editor, Damian Rodriguez. Supervising Editor Rob McCumber Research Team Diane Lapson and Bernie Bernstein with additional research by April Hayes Callie Gladman Terrence Michaels Sean Patrick and Lynn Sheridan Librarian Robert Bauer Production Coordinator Debbie Sweeney Production Assistance by Jim McBean Special thanks to Randy Azradi, Coco and, and Samson Steiner For XM Radio Lee Abrams Recorded in Studio B in the historic Abernathy Building Studio Engineer Tex Carbone This has been a Great Waterpark production in association with Big Red Tree this is your announcer, Pierre Mancini, speaking. Join us again next week when our subject is show. Theme Time Radio Hour is brought to you by Cadillac.